the Rebbe Maharash. In the Rebbe's Sichas, a very common refrain is the need to accomplish one's Avaidah in a manner of L'chathchila Ariber. This line, the Rebbe often explained, originates from the Rebbe Maharash, who personified this Seder Avaidah. The Rebbe often spoke about the Rebbe Maharash and often asked to sing his Nigan. In fact, the Rebbe personally printed the Rebbe Maharash's biography, Sefer Atoldis Admor Maharash, the only Rebbe for which he did so. Although comparing and evaluating the conduct of a Rebbe is beyond our purview, Chassidim have often noted the many similarities between the style of the Rebbe and the Rebbe Maharash. In honor of Bey's ER, Tiferesh Tiferes, the birthday of the Rebbe Maharash, Chassidish Adahar presents the following overview and description of his Nesias. Ushering in a new era. Hashem desired the souls of the Tzadikim, my father the Rebbe, on Wednesday evening, Yud Gimel Nisan, the Aryan Kaidash, the light of the Jewish nation, was taken into captivity. May the dwellers of the dust rise and sing, and him among them, and share with us the wonders of Hashem's Torah. With these words, the Rebbe Maharash inscribed the news of the Tzemach Tzadik's Histalkos on the Pincus of the Chever Kadisha of Lubavitch. After close to 40 years, the sun had set on the Nesias of the Tzemach Tzadik. The Rebbe Maharash, his youngest son, was chosen to be his successor. The choice wasn't a simple one. The Rebbe Maharash was young, not yet 32 years old. He had always kept a low profile, while his five older brothers were each well-known and highly esteemed among Chassidim. One brother was known for his vast knowledge of Nigla, another for his deep understanding of Chassidus, and yet another for his passionate and inspiring davening. Indeed, in the years following the Tzemach Tzadik's passing, the brothers moved to other towns where they led a Chassidim of their own. The Rebbe Maharash, on the other hand, was unpretentious in spiritual matters. He didn't profess his knowledge of Nikola or Chassidus during his early life, and even when he became a Rebbe and began speaking Chassidus, he rarely spoke Nikola. His davening appeared to people as simple, without the external trappings of excitement. During a discussion after the Tzemach Tzedek's passing, the Rebbe Maharash presented his thoughts on a certain matter according to Halacha, and his brother, Rebbe Sral Nayach, famous for his brilliance in Nikola, expressed his shock and amazement. Where did you get this? You're so young, he exclaimed. You are old in your own years, the Rebbe Marash responded, but I am old with father's years. As a youngster, the Rebbe Marash was known to be somewhat mischievous. Even as an adult, the Rebbe writes in Rishivas HaYaman, he did not conduct himself like his brothers. The Tzemach Tzedek's elder sons would entertain the visitors to Lubavitch and review their father's chassidus in public but the Rebbe Maharash would not speak Chassidus publicly and was known to be a frailer person. However, in the last years of his life, the Tzemach Tzedek had instructed all of his sons to deliver Maimarim, and the Rebbe Maharash had begun to do so. More and more, Chassidim began to acquaint themselves with the Rebbe's youngest son, and before his passing, the Tzemach Tzedek wrote a note to the Chassidim saying, You should listen to him, referring to the Rebbe Maharash, just as you listen to me. After the Yistalkos, there were various discussions and disagreements between the Tzemach Tzedek's sons that were brought before a Beisdin of three highly esteemed Chassidim. At the end, the Rebbe Maharash was chosen to be his father's Memalamakim to sit on his seat in the town of Lubavitch. News did not travel fast in those days. On Ches Av, one Chassid in the town of Pleshtzenitz wrote in a following letter to his friend, Reb Avram Chaim Rosenbaum. We haven't heard much, but last week we received a letter from a Mayor Amsitzer. He writes that he met Rabbi Yosef Kremen Shukr arriving from Lubavitch and he showed him Tzetlach from the Rebbe. 
From these notes, it is very clear that the Maharaj should be the Rebbe. Rabbi Yisuf related that one individual came to the Maharaj and complained that he was completely destitute. The Maharaj attributed his problem to a failing in his Avedas Hashem based on a certain Pasuk, and ultimately, the person admitted to that failing. After receiving his letter, we felt encouraged and enthused. We said, Chaim, may Hashem give us the merit to follow the correct path. Most of the Ayom is following the Maharash. They are recounting amazing things. A Close Connection As a child, the Rebbe Maharash would spend a lot of time with his father, the Tzemach Tzedek. Aside from his regular studies in Cheder and with private tutors, the Tzemach Tzedek personally taught him a variety of subjects, such as Ksivim and Tanya, and when he grew older, they were in Kabbalah and Chakira for hours at a time. By the time he was seven or eight years old, he was fluent in the entire Chumash and much of Nach, and was learning Gemara with Taisvis regularly. He started listening to his father's chassidus and soon began transcribing his own Hanachais. He also had the luxury of talented older brothers. When he was 10 years old, his brother Rabbi Shalom Nayach would learn Nigla with him, and his brother Baruch Shalom taught him how the Alter Rebbe would lay in the Torah. He was first married at a young age, only 14 years old, to Sterna, the daughter of his brother Reb Chaim Schneer Zalman, but she fell ill and passed away only three months after the wedding. To comfort the Rebbe Maharash, the Tzemach Tzedek gave him a room adjacent to his own, allowing him to enter his room at any time. During the years that followed, he spent even more time with the Tzemach Tzedek. His second marriage to Rebbe Rifka, a granddaughter of the Mittler Rebbe, was in Tafresh Tess or Tafresh Yod, some three years later. He would also spend time with the elder Chassidim. Even as a child, he related to his son, the Rebbe Rashab, I found favor in the eyes of the senior Chassidim, and they would share their stories with me. One elder Chassid, Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac of Itapsk, had been one of the earliest Chassidim of the Alter Rebbe. He paid close attention to the Rebbe Maharash and shared with him many memories of the previous Rebbeim. Later, this same Chassid gave the Rebbe Maharash smicha. A smile of a Rebbe. Throughout his life, the Rebbe Maharash suffered from a painful and debilitating illness. Yet despite his suffering, he always kept an upbeat appearance and never displayed his difficulties. I never met anyone that suffered as much as my father, the Rebbe Rashab once expressed himself, and yet he always had a smile on his face. A beautiful smile, the Rebbe Rashab noted, that had godly qualities to it. A smile that only a Rebbe has. Several interesting artifacts remain from the Rebbe Maharash such as a beautifully written Megillah and a round table that sits in the Rebbe's room. The doctors instructed him to engage in physical activity, and he therefore made those items. In the town of Lubavitch, there was also a large candelabra, which was the Rebbe Maharash's handiwork. It would be set up each year at the Bachrim Seder, but it was lost over the years. The Rebbe Maharash was extremely punctual. Every day had a specific schedule, and he would often be after Shacharis by 8 in the morning. He took two trips to the fields each day. During those trips, Chassidim would sneak into his room and copy manuscripts of Chassidus while posting a guard at the door to warn them of his return. Among those Chassidim would also be his own wife, Rebetzin Rivka. The Rebbe once noted that the Rebbe Maharash definitely realized that people were copying his Chassidim, but instead of allowing them to copy them legitimately, he preferred it to be in secrecy. Because certain things need to be undertaken with trickery, like the Brachus of Esav by Yaakov. A different Hanhaga. 
President Zaman Chazar once sent a collection of manuscripts of the Rabbeim to a graphologist to analyze the handwriting. When the Rebbe read her conclusions about the Rebbe Maharash, he wrote his comments to Mr. Shazar, noting where the graphologist was correct and where she had erred. I was impressed that in several points she hit the mark, especially where she writes that the author clearly suffered during his lifetime, both physically and spiritually, and those experiences strengthened him. We know from family tradition that he suffered terribly from a young age, but was nevertheless always seen with a smile on his face, receiving people graciously. The Rebbe goes on that he was surprised when a most characteristic feature of the Rebbe Maharash was not mentioned. From the very beginning of his leadership, the style of his relationships with Chassidim was clearly set out. When asked for his opinion, he would reply with a few short words. This was in contrast to the Rebbe's before and after him, who would often explain their directives, along with their regal persona. There were also elements of closeness with their Chassidim. The Rebbe writes a similar point in Rishimas Hayeman. As a Rebbe, the Rebbe writes, he behaved beremimus, elevated and removed, even with the elder Chassidim, and even with his sons. The Tzemach Tzedek was accustomed to consulting with his sons and with his daughter Dvarileah, but the Rebbe Maharash did not do so. However, there were instances when he had long conversations with people in Yechidus. There were also occasions that he went out to the courtyard and conversed with the townspeople. Another unique characteristic of the Rebbe Maharash's leadership was the deep connection the Chassidim felt to him. All his Chassidim were fiercely dedicated. Regardless of their status, they had a strong feeling of iskashras in contrast to the Chassidim of his brothers and even the Chassidim of his father, the Tzemach Tzedek. His Chassidim would treasure every word that he uttered. Every Chassid, learned or not, was able to repeat segments of a mimer that he had heard during his visit to Lubavitch. Some Chassidim were great Baal and Askala, while others were simple Baal or villagers, some of whom the Rebbe Marash would call my Baal Ahava and Yira. Yet the Chassidus he taught was always relevant to all. Simpletons would be able to understand the basic message, while the learned Chassidim would see its profound depth, which even they often had difficulty understanding. When the Friedrich Rebbe was 12 years old, he witnessed Reb Zalman Zlatopolsky and Reb Yehudeleib Huffman arguing over the meaning of a mimer the Rebbe Maharash delivered 15 years earlier. They spoke with such excitement, the Friedrich Rebbe described, it was as if they had heard the mimer just moments earlier. Ganging up with the capitalists. The Nasius of the Rebbe Maharash coincided with one of the most difficult periods for Yidin in Tsarist Russia. The government constantly created new decrees to hamper Jewish movement and to make life difficult for the Jewish communities. In the years before the Rebbe Maharash's passing, a wave of state-sponsored pogroms spread throughout Russia, wreaking terrible destruction. Indeed, in the decades that followed, hundreds of thousands of Jews fled Eastern Europe and settled into the United States and elsewhere. Throughout his life, the Rebbe Maharash worked tirelessly to alleviate the suffering of the Jewish people. His communal activism began long before his Nasius. When the Tzemach Tzedek decided to seize his attendance at the rabbinic conferences called by the government, he sent the Rebbe Maharash, then in his early 20s, in his stead. He would make frequent trips to St. Petersburg to meet with government officials. He would also travel abroad to Italy, Germany, and France to meet with wealthy Jewish bankers. He developed an interesting tactic. He would ask those Jews to withhold loans to the Tsar until he improved the conditions of the Jews. Such endeavors were dangerous and his trips were always presented as visits to doctors and spa towns. 
Indeed, when the Russian government heard about his strategy, they were furious. In one conversation with the Minister of Interior, things came to a head when the Rebbe Marash calmly informed him that the Jewish bankers had written to Lubavitch asking whether to approve loans to the Russians. What did you reply? the minister asked. I haven't answered yet, the Rebbe Marash said. I'm waiting for the government's response. The minister grew angry. Lubavitch Rebbe, are you issuing a threat to the Russian government? You don't need to see it as a threat, but you should not take the matter lightly. Many non-Jewish capitalists will join them because the barbarism in this country is an offense to all humanity. The minister turned the conversation to the government's greatest fear, and therefore the greatest possible offense. Will the Lubavitcher Rebbe ignite a revolution together with these capitalists? The Rebbe Maharash didn't take the bait. The government will bring this revolution upon itself as a result of its terrible neglect of the country. Higher than measure. In our generation, one of the most famous attributes of the Rebbe Maharash is his renowned statement, L'chathchila Riber. Die Welt sagt, as mekennet darunter geht men Riber. Und ich sagt, as L'chathchila Riber. People say that if you cannot go under, go over. I say, from the outset, go over. The Rebbe repeated this idea countless times throughout the Nasius, drawing many lessons for a chassid's everyday life. During one farbringen, the Rebbe noted how this theme, the idea of behaving higher than Medida and Hagbalah, was apparent in many aspects of the Rebbe Maharash's Nasius. It is apparent in his chassidus, the Rebbe explained. Each mimer is a microcosm of many mimarim, containing a vast amount of ideas. However, they are written concisely. The Rebbe Rashab often writes at length to explain just one line of his father's Maimarim. It is also apparent in his conduct. The Friedrich Rebbe famously said that the Rebbe Maharash had many Balshemska stories. There were many stories of Balit Shiva he made as well. And likewise, in his personal life, his home and furnishings were all very beautiful. This was the case even during the lifetime of the Tzemach Tzedek and with his support, even while the Tzemach Tzedek himself lived very simply. The Rebbe Maharash would deliver a mimer each week, either before Kabbalah Shabbos or on Shabbos morning, and would also transcribe his words into writing. In the early years of the Rebbe's Nasius, the Rebbe wanted the publication of the Rebbe Maharash's Chassidus done as quickly as possible, so Sfarim were published as photocopies of the handwriting of Rebbe Shmuel, the copyist of Lubavitch. Over the years, those Sfarim were typed and redone, and today there is a large set of his Maimarim, which the Rebbe named Lukutei Taira Taira Shmuel. To give us a glimpse into the Maimarim of the Rebbe Marash, we turn to Rabbi Yesef Yitzchak the Mashpia of Yeshiva Slobavitch, Detroit. As is true with every Rebbe, says Rabbi Gerari, the Maimarim of the Rebbe Marash have their own unique style. On one hand, his Maimarim are relatively short and quite simple. He cites many Maimari Chazal and Midrashim, and explains them according to Chassidus, and doesn't engage in lengthy explanations as often as the Rebbe Rashab and Mitzvah Rebbe do. At face value, Chassidim would say it seemed that he was talking to his crowd. The majority of his Chassidim were simple people, and the Rebbe Marash ensured that his Chassidim would always have a clear message which they could understand. On the other hand, a closer look at the Maimarim reveals many amazing chedoshim in Chassidim. The Rebbe Rashab once said that he needed to prepare a hemshech for the upcoming Rosh Hashanah, and he based it all on a few lines in a mimer of his father. These profound chedoshim are not presented as chedoshim, nor are they explained at length. In a very chatchila style, 
The Rebbe Maharash seems to drop a thought of Chassidus on the learner, leaving him to figure it out on his own. In Tafresh Mem, Reb Shlema Zaman of Kapust and the Rebbe Maharash had a famous argument whether the Isis Hirshimu were affected by the symptom. The full argument is beyond the scope of this article. The Rebbe Maharash held that they were not affected, but what is interesting to note is that the Rebbe Maharash's only writing regarding the entire protracted argument is in a small segment of a mimer, Matzah Zu, that year. It was the Rebbe Rashab who later discussed it and explained it at length. The Rebbe once noted an interesting fact about the Hemshechim of the Rebbe Maharash. Other Rabbeim commonly began their Hemshechim on Rosh Hashanah, but the Rebbe Maharash often begins on Pesach. The key to understanding this point lies in the unique Avaidah of Tishrei versus Nisan. During Tishrei, a person strives with his own Avaidah. But on Pesach, we receive revelations from above. The Rebbe Maharash's Hemshechim begin on Pesach for a very simple reason, the Rebbe said because he personified L'chathchila Ariber. A first-hand account. In the early years of his Nesias, the Rebbe encouraged many elder chassidim to transcribe their memories from their Rebbeim and chassidim of old. Even people who no longer consider themselves chassidim were requested to send in and publish their memoirs. One such request went to Mr. Tzvi Har Shefer, formerly Lakshin, who grew up in the town of Lubavitch during the Rebbe Maharash's Nesias. I would be very interested to see your memoirs, the Rebbe wrote to him, because I am collecting historical material about Lubavitch, and especially regarding that era, the times of the Rebbe Maharash and the beginnings of the Rebbe Rashab, of which there are no accounts. Almost no first-hand accounts remain of the Rebbe Maharash. In those days, Siddim considered it unbecoming to transcribe one's personal life story. It was viewed as a masculish thing to do. By the time the Friedrich Rebbe and Rebbe encouraged Chassidim to write their memories, almost no Chassidim who recalled the Rebbe Maharash were alive. The Rebbe's letter to Mr. Har Shefer was written over 70 years after the Rebbe Maharash's Histalkus. Mr. Har Shefer wrote one such article about his memories, apparently before the Rebbe's letter. Remarkably, the vast majority of biographical details and descriptions in his article concur with the Friedrich Rebbe Sichas and with the Rebbe's Rishimas Hayeman. In the following segment, we bring a selection of his descriptions. My Memories of Lubavitch Like most remote Russian towns, Lubavitch did not have a train station or post office. However, that was where the similarities ended. Our town had a constant stream of visitors who came to consult with the Rebbe, and they brought life and excitement to the Rebbe's courtyard and all the surrounding streets. The Chatzar was at the center of the town, and it was surrounded by many hostels. It had a large hall which would be opened for special occasions like Rosh Hashanah or a Chasana in the Rebbe's family. Nearby was the regular smaller Zal and the Rebbe's home. Many years have since passed, but I still remember his noble appearance. He was taller than average, with a wide forehead, a red beard, and piercing eyes that expressed wit and wisdom. He had a broad build that added to his regal image. The Rebbe was blessed with many talents, a phenomenal memory, an incisive mind, and a quick grasp of any subject. He was well aware of public affairs. He corresponded with his wealthy chassidim, and whenever a new gzera appeared on the horizon, he knew about it immediately. The Rebbe Maharash would speak chassidus on Shabbos morning, in the zal adjacent to his home. A table would be set up near his door, and the outer door of the zal would be shut. The shamash would stand guard, not allowing anyone to enter or leave. At the assigned moment, the entire hall would fall silent and everyone would rise and crowd closer to the Rebbe's place, 
The Rebbe would sit on a chair, surrounded by his family members and the senior chassidim. Silence reigned in the room as everyone held their breath and focused on the Rebbe's words. He would begin quietly, but slowly his voice would rise and cut through the room. He would become more and more animated as everyone focused intently. At the height of his excitement, he would often repeat these words of Tehillim and explain them. I don't need your Ganeidin Ha'elyin or your Ganeidin Atachtin. Rather, I want you and you alone. During Yamim Taivim, the Chassidim would demand an addition between Mincha Ma'erev. The Chassidim, especially the young ones, would sit near the Rebbe's door, singing the Alter Rebbe's Nigin with passion. If they weren't answered immediately, they would sing it again and again until the Rebbe was forced to give in and come out to the Chassidim despite his illness. Each day the Rebbe would receive the many guests who came for his guidance and blessing. Many Rabbanim, too, would be among the visitors, twirling their payas and waiting nervously in line for the moment that Levik the Gabbai would grant them entry. It was very tiring work. The Rebbe would travel outside the city afterwards to refresh himself and spend time meditating with his own thoughts. The Rebbe would personally read the Haftairah. He would daven in his room near the shul and would enter the shul to read Maftir in a special voice. On Rosh Hashanah, he would blow the shaifar. The room would be very packed. The entire crowd would become like one large body with only heads dividing between them. Everyone stood with the fear of the Yom Hadin. The room would fall silent, and then the Rebbe's voice would pierce the ear, Min HaMetzar. For Tashlech, all the guests would accompany the Rebbe with joyous song. The young Chassidim would create a large circle around the Rebbe, his family, and the elder Chassidim. Another special moment was the drawing of Maim Shalanu. Amid great singing and joy, we would go down to the river. The Rebbe himself would lower the bucket into the water. The next day, the Rebbe would personally mix the dough and hand out pieces to be rolled into matzah. In the evening, many Lubavitch townspeople would hurry to finish their seder to watch the Rebbe conduct his seder with his family. One of the greatest moments was Yates Kislev. The Rebbe would retell the story in all its detail about the Machaikas with the Mesnagdim, the Alter Rebbe's arrest and liberation, and the miracles that occurred throughout. The Chassidim would say Lechaim and even grab Shirayim. In his final year, the Rebbe became ill, being only 48 years old. Prominent doctors were called to operate to no avail, and he became increasingly weak. Tehillim was recited in all of the shoals, and the Kivrit Tzadikim were visited. That Rosh Hashanah, Chassidim were terribly dejected when someone else blew Shifar instead of the Rebbe. On the evening of Yud Gimel Tishrei, we heard that the situation was very bad, and the next day he passed away. His arm was made from the table upon which he would say chassidus. The Levi was very large. No resident of Lubavitch was absent, and the chassidim even managed to come from the nearby villages. They broke a wall of the aisle and interred him near his father, the Tzemach Tzedek.